0: Well, happy Veterans Day, everyone. Hope you had a great day. We're going to take a look at a couple of things tonight. So we've been going this series, Evaluating My Spirit. And we've been going through how do we do that and, and what it looks like. So if you're just catching up with us and you're trying to figure out, well, I don't know how to evaluate, then tonight you're going to catch a glimpse of how we've been doing that. Uh, A good way to do it is go on our website or our YouTube channel, as well as, or even our app, and our church app will actually uh, have a place that says media, and the media section will be able to help you catching up with where we are this week, okay? Now, how many of you are runners? You love running. You love jogging and... And, and things like that. Not, no, not just to, I got to go get mail, or I run down the street. Like, recreationally, okay, you run, you jog, you do a marathon, and things like that. Some of you are like, running. If I'm running for mail, yeah, running for office, maybe, but not anything physical. Well, when we think of running, uh, it requires something of us. And I remember when I was growing up, seeing people run, and I was thinking, what are they running for? Why why are they running they're all in good shape so why are they, why are they running and then i would see them by the traffic lights and they're like running in place and i'm thinking why are you running in place why don't you just stop you look kind of foolish so i never understood that until i started running and where was i at a stoplight looking foolish. I'm jogging in place and I'm thinking, hey, I'm those guys I used to look at when I was growing up. And now all these kids are driving past me, probably saying the same things. Now, when you're not in it, you won't understand it. You won't understand the why behind someone jogging in place at a crosswalk or a traffic light. You won't understand it. Because you're not in it. Or maybe you're at an age where understanding is not there yet. And that's the same kind of thought process that takes place in why we do what we do. Or we call it an action. We have actions that follow a thought or a feeling And the question is, why do I do what I do? So tonight, that's what we want to talk about, the why behind my actions. Now, if you're a spiritual evaluator, and if you've been doing that for the past couple of weeks, you've been learning that we have some good areas that we're doing great in spiritually, and then there are some areas that we need to improve on. Maybe it's uh, kindness. Or, or maybe it's love and, and how we speak to people. And maybe we're doing good in other areas like patience. I mean, I know some people who are pretty patient and I'm amazed at how they can be that patient. But we all have areas where we're doing well in and then areas where we're doing not so well in. So we want to learn the why behind our actions. Some, some questions we probably can ask ourselves tonight is, why do I react in that kind of way when I'm around that person? Why am I like that when I see that person? Or you might say to yourself, why is that person so irritating to me? Why? And why do I treat my spouse like that? Why? Or why does my spouse treat me like that when they're around certain people? Like, you know how they get punchy around certain people? Like, they just change. They're one way at home, nice and sweet. And then when certain people are around them, they become punchy, like they act up. Like, I don't know why we do that. Things happen and something happens in our heart, in our mind that kind of changes not just, not just our character at that specific moment, but it changes our actions. Sometimes we're shorter with people or maybe we, we see things in a different way when we're around other people. Maybe there are certain people who can talk to you a specific way that no one else can. Or maybe in your family, you're the only one who can tell your mom how it is. No one else can tell her. Like, you're the only one who can tell mom, mom, enough. No one else can do that, and she'll listen to you. Or dad, it's like, dad, too much already, dad. Enough already. It's like, there are only certain key people that can do certain actions that are going to result in a certain way that no one else can. There's reasons behind it. Now, in the Bible, in the book of Romans, we're going to read a scripture that Paul the Apostle was reading to the Romans the Christians in uh, Rome, and he was trying to give them almost like a paradox. Yet at the same time, it's okay to go through this. He was also trying to give them the reasoning behind why we do what we do and and why certain things are the way they are, as well as how do we solve this dilemma of having this feeling or, or going through the reasons why we behave in these in these kinds of ways so in the book of Romans chapter 7 and I'll read from verse 13 chapter 7 verse 13 it says this has then what is good become death to me and Paul says certainly not but sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me what is good Uh-oh, it's p- producing death in me through what is good. So that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So stick with me, okay? Because you, you might get lost in this. So you got to stay, stay on target. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. So flesh. We still have our flesh attached to us. Sold under sin. In other words, sin owns sin. That's what Paul is saying. There's There's a sinful nature in us. So sin, we're sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law, and he's talking about God's law, specifically the 10 commandments god's law that it is good but now it is no longer i who do it but sin that dwells in me now continue in verse 18 for i know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells nothing good lives there in my flesh for to will is present with me but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil, I will not to do. That, I practice. So he's saying the evil that I will not to do, I practice actually doing that. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin. That dwells in me. So he's making an argument on why these things happen. I find then, this is in verse 21, I find then a law that is evil, that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members or in my body, in my flesh. Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And then he switches gears. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he says this, Thank God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So after that whole disposition and after his whole entire argument, he's saying, Here's the final result. The only thing that will save me from this whole ordeal is Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. So now he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is, has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's what we were talking about earlier, the freedom to now choose God. Freedom from sin. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In other words, what Paul is saying is you couldn't do this on your own. On your own, you're living by the law and your flesh is not good. You cannot actually fulfill all the commandments. You're going to sin. It's, it's a part of your nature. However, Jesus did this for you and put sin to death so that His righteousness can be put in you and I. So that this war that's happening, now if we're walking by the Spirit, we are now going to live by the Spirit. That's why we must continuously evaluate our spirit because of that war. I mean, this is Veterans Day, and, and so we understand what war is. And in a war, you will constantly have evaluations, constantly have intel, constantly have people... Putting down a game plan constantly. Things change on the dime. So the Lord is saying, if you don't continuously evaluate your spirit, then something is going to take over your spirit. Either that sinful nature, or you yourself are just going to give in to your sinful nature. But if we're continuously evaluating our spirit, then at least we're going to have the know-how, as well as where we are in life, in our spirit, to say, Lord, here's where, here's where I am. I need help in this specific area. And that's why we want to evaluate our spirit because our spirit and our flesh are constantly at war. Our flesh is going to die. Our bodies are going to decay. It's our spirit that will live on. So although we want to evaluate our bodies, which we probably do more than anything else, we evaluate our, our flesh probably more than our spirit. Like we weigh ourselves every single day and every ounce counts. You're like, "Oh man, I gained more. Oh yeah, I lost more." We evaluate that. We weigh our food. We watch what we eat. We, we, we drink certain nutritional types of shakes because of our health. We go to the doctors, we take medicines. We evaluate our, our physical bodies all the time. And it's not going on into eternity. Now, we still need to do that. We still need to be healthy, eat healthy, and take care of our bodies, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We still need to do that. But it doesn't mean we neglect our spiritual bodies. Take the same principle of how we take care of our physical body and put that on our spiritual bodies. Put that on our spirit, that the same disciplines we use for our physical body it's the same discipline we should be using, or even more for our spirit. We eat three times a day, Sometimes once because we're busy, sometimes ten because we're not busy. So we eat, but it's our spirit that is actually decaying because we're not feeding the spirit. So the disciplines that we are giving to our bodies, our physical bodies, we can actually take that and now put it into our spirits. That's how we evaluate our spirit. Where are we in our spiritual awakening and how are we feeding our spirit See, the same way we are dependent on the blood of Jesus for the the sin in us, the same way we should be dependent on His Spirit to feed us, the same sacrifice that Jesus gave to us that He paid on on the cross, that same grace that He gave to us, the one that empowers us to do what only He can do through us, That same dependent is the same dependency we should have on his spirit. That when we go to God and we say, God, forgive me of my sins, we can only say that because there is forgiveness of sins through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we depend on the blood of Jesus Christ for that reason, part of that reason, so that we can ask for forgiveness. But it also brings us into eternal life. That same dependency. Is the same dependency we should have on the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do what we cannot do in our flesh. And that's what God is speaking to us because we're no longer under the law. Did you know that? Even though there is the laws of God, Jesus came not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. In other words, Jesus didn't come and say, well, you can't fulfill that, so throw that away. He said, no, I came to fulfill it. And if you live by my Spirit and, and, and receive my Spirit... Now you can walk by the Spirit so that you can love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you can love your neighbor as yourself, which takes care of all the laws. That's the only way. See, what the law does is the law, the Bible says, the law brings death because the law shows us our faults. The law shows us and tells us the truth about ourselves. That's what the law does. When you match yourself to the laws of God, the Ten Commandments, it tells you the truth about yourself. But the grace of God tells us the truth about God. So we fall under grace. We are no longer under the law, but under grace. And so when we look at why we do what we do, sometimes we're moving by the law. If I can just stop doing this if i can oh boy i did this and if i can just cut that out and cut this out if i can just speak better if i can do these things yeah we're tr- we're probably trying to do it on our own volition however if we say lord i'm trying to do it on my own that is in my flesh I'm trying to follow a law can i can i just receive your spirit of grace it's a power that comes on us because there's a reason why i do what i do and there's a reason why i don't do what i should there's a reason lord Can your spirit come alive in me so that I can be the person you made me to be, so that I can do the things that you have called me to do? So that when you say, obey, I'll obey you, not because I want to, but because your spirit is beckoning me to a power that I never had before. Because obedience is not agreeing with God Obedience, true obedience, is when you don't want to agree with God, but you obey Him anyway. God doesn't say, "If you agree with me, and because you want to do this, that's obedience." It's like, let's just say, your son loves, loves eating chocolates, loves eating chocolates. And you were to say, hey, I need you to eat that chocolate bar. And he says, okay. Now, he was obedient because he, he did what you said, but he wanted to. He loves eating chocolates. But let's just say he hated eating chocolates. And mom or dad said, no, nope, that's your punishment. You said some words you weren't supposed to. Eat that chocolate. I don't want to eat that chocolate. Eat the chocolate. No, no, no. I don't know who doesn't love chocolate, but it sounded like a good illustration. So he's he's obeying in true obedience. See, the things we don't want to do that we end up doing because of the Spirit of God that motivated us to do so is obedience. The reason why we don't want to do what God is asking us to do is because we're following what we call the flesh. And we just follow the flesh. And God says, the only way you're going to obey me is not by a law system. It's going to be by my spirit. That's the why behind your actions. That we're no longer under the law, but under grace. See, the the why behind our actions is going to be out of our flesh, which reveals the truth about us, or it's going to be out of the spirit, which reveals the truth about God. That grace that God gives to us, the spirit that he gives to us, it's going to reveal the truth about God. So when we obey God, Anytime we obey God, we see His results, not ours. It shows the truth about Him. That's why it says to glorify God in all you do. Everything you put your hands to, do for the glory of God. It's not for us. Oh, when we do our flesh, when we're in our flesh and we do the things of the flesh, it's glory to me. That's that's what we're trying to get, is glory to ourselves. But God says, no, no, if you follow the deeds of the flesh, it ends in death. But if you follow the Spirit, there is life, there is freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom. So you're no longer under the law, but you're under my grace. Last week, we talked about Elijah and how he went through a spiritual burnout. Now, the good news about Elijah is that he actually finished well. If you read his story, it can sound like, oh, this guy burnt out and he was done. No, he actually went out good, If you read the story, and we're going to cover a little bit of that, I want to read to you Philippians 3, verses 3 through 12, before we get into the book of uh, 2 Kings. In Philippians 3, verses 3 to 12, Paul is speaking to this church, and he's saying, okay, with all the war that is going on in your heart, the spirit that we're saying to follow, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the, the good news, He's saying, here, here's the reason why. Here's, here's why you need to know the why behind your actions. In verse 3, book of Philippians chapter 3. Paul says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I'm more so. So what Paul is saying is, if you want to have confidence in the flesh, let me just tell you what kind of confidence you should have, if anything. Now, he's saying not to have it, so he's kind of recanting what he's saying, but he's, he's doing it in a way to illustrate something. He's saying, don't have confidence in the flesh, but if you do, I have more confidence in my flesh. Let me, let me show you how. He says this, and he gives his list. He says, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, Concerning the law, a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness, which is the law, blameless. So he's saying, if you want to see anything of, of the flesh, I'm the perfect example, Paul says. I did everything according to the laws of God. And I had the best zeal around. In fact, my zeal was so good, I was persecuting the church. But what things were gained to me... These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. So you see, even all the fleshly things may feel good at the time, but now that I know Christ, all of that is rubbish. It has, there's nothing there that I would want in my life that I might gain Christ and be found in Him. So it only becomes rubbish and looks like rubbish when we understand the gain we have in Christ and how we're found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if... By any means, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. So, Paul is saying, okay, after all of that, I, I told you what the flesh is like. Yeah, I'm probably the best of them all who can model what the flesh looks like. But All of that is rubbish compared to the infinite knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. So with all of that, yeah, that's all in my past, but this is what I do. I press on. Otherwise, I'm going to be stuck there, and I'm going to reason by myself, and I'm going to be stuck in that cyclone of, I want to do what is right, but I can't. He says, you can be free from that. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not just a word that is being said. It's an actual person. It's the spirit of the living God. And he's saying, unless connected to him, you're going to battle with this Romans 7 over and over and over again. He says, however, you can press on. You don't have to be caught up in that cyclone. You can press on. See, this is what Elijah was trying to give to his predecessor or his his follower, Elisha. After Elijah was burnt out, God says, hang on, this is what you need to do. He gave him some instructions. And one of his instructions was to anoint a man by the name of Elisha. If you want to catch up from last week, you can go on the podcast and listen to it. And so he says, you need to anoint the younger one. You need to anoint this Elisha. So he does so. And it's interesting because what he was saying to Elijah what God was saying to Elijah is this anointing my hand my spirit must continue on because we constantly want to bring in the law we want to bring in the do's and the don'ts because it seems simpler just tell me what to do lord just do the do and do the don't don't do the do and don't do the don't whatever however it's going to be done and so I don't I, just give me make it simple lord but that's non-relational it's just a list of to do but God says, no, I'm going to give you a person, Jesus Christ. So it's not necessarily a to do, it's to be. It's to be with. We're going to do this together. So he says, this is what you need to do. You need to do that with Elisha. So he does. Now Elisha starts to be, he's mentored now by Elijah. But now it's time for Elijah to go. It's, his season is done. So he says, hey, uh, Elisha, I need to go. Um, so, Bye. And Elisha says, no, no, I'm not going to let you leave my sight. He says, no, I need to go. I, I, need, to, I need to head on. And he says, no, I'm not going to let you leave my sight. And then others were saying, hey, don't you know that uh, it's time for Elijah to go? He says, yeah, I know, I know. Don't tell me. So Elisha is feeling. He's feeling kind of emotional. He says, I know, I know what you're saying. So second time, Elijah says, hey, Elisha, you got to stay back here. I got to go. My season is done. He says, no, no, I'm not letting you out of my sight. No way. No way, I'm not letting you out of my sight. He says, I, I gotta go. He says, No, I'm not letting you out of my sight. He says, Well, if you want to come with me, then come with me. People would remind him again. He says, You know that Elijah Elijah's done. He says, I know. You already told me that. I know. It's like he has such a spiritual attachment, yet he also has the relational attachment. It's like saying bye to someone you've known for a long time and they're gonna move away. He's like I don't want him to go. Third time he says, Hey, I Elisha, I I really gotta go. And so Eli- Elisha says, I don't want you to go. No. And then again, of course, you know, he's, he's going to be taken already. He's got to go. He's like, I know, okay? I just don't want him to go. I love the guy. So then Elish- Elijah says to the younger Elisha, he says, hey, if there was anything I could give to you, what would it be? Anything? Yeah, anything. I want a double portion Of your spirit. huh? A double portion of my spirit? You ask a hard thing. He says, that's what I want. He says, I tell you what. If when I leave, if you see chariots of fire come and get me, and you see me go away, that's how you know you'll have a double portion of my spirit. Now, if my mentor told me that? I'm like, great. It's not going to happen. I mean, a, a chariot of fire, and then you're, where are you going to go? Because it doesn't seem like that's doable. It doesn't seem like it's possible. Second Kings chapter 2 verse 10. Here you have Elijah and Elisha. Both of them ready to go. One is going to be taken, and of course, the other is going to be left. But he's going to be left with something, as Elijah said, you ask for a very difficult thing. This is going to be very, very hard. 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 10. So he said. You have asked for a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. So he's talking about the double portion. Then it happened, as they continued on and talked, that suddenly, so they didn't know when it was going to happen, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And so he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of the Jordan. Now, the reason why this part is so significant is because the only reason why they were on this side of the Jordan is because Elijah struck the Jordan with his mantle and the Jordan River opened up and they crossed over. So now Elisha has the mantle and now he's standing before the Jordan River. And so he says this, Where is the Lord God of Elijah. And when he also had struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. Now, this is very important, the why behind we do what we do. The moment God's hand was on Elisha, he tested it. He didn't wait He didn't wait days later. He didn't didn't say, okay, God, if this happens, then I'll do this. And then when God did what he was going to do, he didn't wait. How often we say, God, if you rescue me from this, then I will. And then God does, and we're like, okay. And we never fulfill, not necessarily our promise, but we never fulfill the anointing that God has on us. We don't continue on with God's hand of blessing on us. You're not saved from whatever that was to save you from whatever that was, you were saved because of God's anointing on your life, His hand upon your life, His Spirit on your life, so that you can be the very best He made you to be. It's not for our own purposes. It's for His. It's not even for us. It's so that we can be the Father we always dreamed of, so that we can, you can, be the mother you always dreamed of, so that we can be the person we've always dreamed of for the Lord. It's only possible in that true act of obedience. When God's hand falls on you, when that word is spoken in church, when you read your devotion and God speaks it, apply it as soon as possible. You don't wait because delayed obedience is still disobedience. And God says, I want to give this to you. It's my hand on your life. You know what anointing means? Anointing isn't something super spiritual. Anointing means to smear. That's what it is. So when we say anoint something with oil, we're saying smear it with oil. It's not the actual anointing that is so significant. It's what the anointing represents that is so significant. And it represents the hand of God. Whenever you feel the hand of God on your life, act upon it quickly. Quickly. Lest you feel His hand depart. And Elisha didn't want to have that actually happen. Now here's what takes place with Elisha, which is kind of ironic. Elisha actually forgot the why behind his actions. And instead of passing on that same anointing, the spirit in which he lived by, he took his anointing to the grave. Somewhere along the line, Elisha missed it. He forgot the why behind his actions. He still did the things, but he didn't... He forgot the why. He forgot the anointing of God that was on his life. Oh, he may have been doing certain things that got anointed, but he still was an anointed man, but never passed it on. He actually took it to the grave. So much so that this is how powerful God's hand is on your life and on my life. In 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20, 21, it says, Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And so they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. Now watch what happens. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. Listen very carefully. It's not you that is the power behind God's anointing. It's God's anointing, period, on our life. But he doesn't want us to take it to the grave. But it still has power even while we are dead. These guys touched the bones of Elisha. He revived and stood on his feet. Why? Probably because the power of God was still on Elisha's life. You and I have given such privilege to be called Christians, to be called believers in Jesus Christ, to be called disciples of Christ. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's God's hand on our life. See, the why behind my actions has less to do with my flesh and more to do with the hand of God on my life. In other words, without the anointing of God, without His hand on our life, then we struggle in our flesh. But with His anointing, His hand upon our life, We can press on towards the goal of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And that's exactly what Elisha saw with Elijah being ascended. So I want to wrap this up and I want to give you three takeaways tonight. The first is this: set your mind, just set your mind on the spirit, not the flesh. You, you set your mind. It's, it's like when you set your stove or your oven to 350 degrees. You set it at that. But is it 350 degrees yet? No, you got to wait a little while. So you set your spirit or you set your mind on the spirit. It may take a while to get to 350, but you set it there. It's like you have something in place that you can evaluate to say, okay, I'm at 275, 280, okay, I'm climbing, okay, 350 you set your mind on the spirit, not the flesh. Sometimes we set our things on the flesh and we say, oh, tomorrow this is what I'm going to do. Oh, I'm going to tell that person. Up. Oh, wait till I see that guy. Oh, yeah, they like act like, like that. Okay, okay. so my boss wants to say that. Wait till tomorrow. Or we say, oh, my husband, want to be like that? Okay, this is how I'm going to be. My wife, she wants, okay. They, two can play at that game. Oh, we, we set our things on the flesh. We know how to do that very well, but God says, you know the principle, just turn it around. Put it on the spirit. So set your mind on the spirit, not the flesh. The second thing, press on toward the goal. Just press on towards that goal. That that word to press on means to run swiftly in order to catch a person or the prize. So you, you press on towards the goal. And the purpose of pressing on towards the goal is that you run swiftly towards that person that you're trying to catch up with or the finish line for the prize that's what you want they actually use that in a racing term that as the gun goes off you're going to run toward the goal when the gun goes off it's not like you're running like oh this is so fun hey good this is a good run and you're talking to your friends and then you're done it's like okay i started that was good no he said there's a goal there's an end result so you press on toward that goal and if you ever had a splinter in your finger it's the most irritating thing in the world. You could have a gash on your leg. You'd rather have that than this splinter in your finger. And so you try to take this thing out. There's a goal in that. The goal is not necessarily to get that thing to to come out of your finger. The whole goal is that it will come out without infection. The automatic result is it takes away the irritation. So there's a goal that God says, here's, here's a goal that I want you to have. No matter what the pain, it's gonna be worth the gain, whatever it would be. You press on. It could be your goal as, as wanting to achieve something or or doing greater things for God as a father, a mother, or whoever we are in Christ. And then here's the last takeaway. Finish strong. Finish strong. If any of you have ever, if you ran track, the coach will always tell you, never, ever slow down before the, right, before the finish line. You don't slow down. You run past the finish line, then you slow down. In a world of milliseconds of gold medalists, they can't afford to slow down. We saw that with Michael Phelps years ago in the Olympics. The person next to him, he just coasted on that last stretch. But Michael Phelps did one more butterfly stroke and he won by 100th, I believe, of a second. That's how critical it is in the kingdom of God to finish strong. Whatever you started, finish strong. And you'll see God's hand every single moment of the day as you run this race. If God says to forgive and he spoke it to you, finish strong. If God said to serve, finish strong. If God says to give and you heard his voice, finish strong. Don't go halfway. Don't Don't have good intentions. Finish strong. If God says to obey, finish strong. Many of us have already seen the blessings of finishing strong. Some of you are are part of maybe a small group, a ministry, Uh, maybe you just started a family or a a newborn in the home, but God has been doing amazing things in your life and you can see the blessings. Some of you have been through our Discover New Hope, Find Your Fit. Those are things that get you involved to help you understand the bigger picture of things here. Whatever it would be in your life, finish strong. Let's all press on toward the, the goal so that we too would have that upward calling towards Jesus Christ, so that we would understand why we do what we do. And the end result is that God would be glorified in everything we do. Amen. Amen. close your Bibles. Let's pray together. Next week, we're going to be talking about a spirit of thankfulness and how gratitude changes the entire game. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for bringing us together on this Veterans Day. Thank you for those that serve. Oh boy, it's such a privilege to be a part of the bigger picture, not just in our country, but in your kingdom. Freedom is a word that maybe sometimes we take for granted, but there is a cost to freedom. We thank you for paying the price for our freedom so that we could have the the anointing of God your hand, Lord, on our lives. We don't want to take our anointing to the grave. We want to pass it on. That's why we serve. That's why we give. That's why we mentor. And that's why we raise up other people. That's why we love in our families. That's why we, we change from an angry person to a person people can admire. It's because we want to pass on your, your spirit, Lord. So, Lord, I pray your hand over each person here tonight, your anointing, your blessing, your spirit. That if we say we live by the spirit, which we do, Lord, we received your spirit. We're so grateful for your forgiveness and your grace. Let us also walk by the spirit. Sometimes we do what we don't want to do. And we battle with that. But you rescue our soul. You're You're the answer. You're the remedy. You told us why you did what you did. It was because you so loved the world that you gave that anyone who believes in you would never perish but have everlasting life. That's the upward call, Lord. We look forward to that day. But for now, Lord, there are many things we get to do for you. More souls to reach. Help us to reach those far from God One relationship at a time. We pray this in your name, Lord. We all said, Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Let's stand tonight as we conclude. I pray that this series has been beneficial for evaluating our spirit. Next week, as we talk about the spirit of thankfulness, it's just getting us ready for Thanksgiving, and I hope you guys have a good weekend, okay? Tomorrow, I think there's school and work, so sleep well. But let's sing our final song tonight. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful evening.